Okay, Rabbi Last week we talked about the Hashad uh, Breshid, the first act, religious act, that was done by Oda Marisha. And that, of course, that act was davening, the first thing that he did. The Pesach says, Man had not yet appeared. In this case, I imagine it certainly could be man or woman. Man had not yet appeared in order to work the land. And Rashi is of the opinion that since there was no need for anybody to work the land in Aden, at least according to Rashi, right? we also saw that the Ramban disagreed, but according to Rashi, there was no particular need to work the land because everything grew on its own. However, Rashi presents us with this interesting idea that man slash woman was enjoined to daven. That was participatory. In, in other words, the way God created the world, the way God created the world, nothing would grow unless man recognized the fact that God was in charge of that world. And it was in that way that man was able to participate in the creation, so to speak. It wasn't that God needed man, chas v'shalom, for creation. It was rather that the way it was set up by the Rebbeinu Shalom was that the world would not go unless man pressed the button. And the only way that man would press the button is if he recognized the need to press the button. Like he had this capacity, he looked around and he saw that the grass was not growing and the trees were not producing fruit. I mean, all this happened on the sixth day, but I mean, it happened. And he said, I've got to do something. Uh, it's up to me. And what he did was, was pray for the rain. He prayed for the rain, not because... He needed rain, so to speak. Not because it was a kind of a, a lack that he was praying for, but that was his job. His purpose was to, to pray for the rain. And that is left over to some extent in our time as well. When there's a drought, as there has been in recent years in Eretz Israel, so we know that we pray for rain. It was, why do we pray for rain? Because there's a drought. Because there's no rain. Because there's no water. We feel very much that we're under attack in the world in which we live in, so we doubt it. But there's another kind of praying for rain. And that's the praying for rain that we do on Shmini Atzeret. Every year. We do Tfilat Geshem. Not because there's no rain, but because rain is coming. It always rains in Israel in the winter. And it doesn't rain in the summer. So that if we daven on Shmini Atzeret, it's not because we don't have enough rain, because it hasn't rained yet. It isn't supposed to rain yet. Even though this year it did rain a little bit before Shmini Atzeret. But, you know, take my words in a kind of generality. Uh, the rain that we pray for on Shemini Atzeret is the expected rain 
It's not the unexpected ray. When we start saying Mashiva Ruach Marida Geshem, we're not talking about the fact that months have gone by and it hasn't rained. It's true that months have gone by and it hasn't rained, but those months are months in which it never rains. <coughs> so that there are two kinds of prayer for rain. One is the prayer that we say when there is a need, a special need for rain. <coughs> and the other is the prayer that we say on Shemini Atzeret, which is very much like the prayer of Adam, of Adam Harisha. But there's another, there's another kind of a, um, of a religious act that's mentioned first in Parshat, um, in Parshat Noach. In Parshat Noach, on page two, if you look at the second page, it says this. The whole family came out of the ark after the waters subsided. Everybody went out. The men, the women, the animals, they all went out of the ark. And, and Noach did something. He did an original. Because if you look at Breshit Perik Dalet, further down on the page, You remember that Cain and Hevel after they were kicked out of Gan Eden, I mean the whole family was kicked out of Gan Eden, so Cain the Hevel had to work for a living. That was a change. So Cain worked as a, grew fruits and vegetables. And he brought that as a mincha lashem. Even though the word mincha usually means <coughs> grains. But here it also could mean grains. Right, the things that grow in the ground. So there's a story here that continues. But this this idea that you bring korbanot which at least according to the Chumash was invented by Cain and Hevel I mean why did they do that? why did they bring why did they bring these Korbanot? so we don't really have we don't really have an answer like Cain and Hevel why did they do it? What, what, what was it that drove them? To bring the carbonate. So it sounds like these two people were successful. And they wanted to thank God for their success. So they brought, they brought whatever they had. Whatever they grew. Whatever they had produced. That's what they, that's what they brought. And then, of course, the question, if that's the case, what was the difference between Cain Kaya, Kaya and Hevel? Why was it that Hevel was approved and Cain was 
disapproved. So Rashi says that Kayin brought me prihadama, and Rashi says, you see the Rashi on the page, Vinagarua. That Kayin brought as a gift the poor stuff that he had grown. The good stuff he kept for himself. Right? The good stuff he kept is like Nuva, you know, sends all the good oranges to Spain, and the, the, the ones that don't look so good, we get. Right? So that's what, that's what Kayin did. He gave the good stuff. He kept the good stuff, and he gave away the... And he brought as a korban the bad stuff. <coughs> and then Rashi says, The Apostle Dalet, the second Rashi, Yarda Eish, Minchato. That Hevel, who brought the acceptable korban, right? He brought the Chorotso no Michel Behem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu ate up that, that korban. So that the, 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 according to Rashi, what symbolizes the acceptance of the korban is that it's eaten up by heaven. That the korban is eaten up by heaven. But in the event, we have, we have this, um, we, we have these psukim that tell us that Kayin in Hevel, that Kayin in Hevel brought korbanot. And that bringing korbanot somehow was a religious act. It's true that Cain messed up a little. Actually, I think Hevel got the worst part of the deal. But Hevel brought a good korban, and Cain brought a bad korban. But again, the question was, how did they know that they should do this? How did they know they should bring a korban? I mean, why... It is you want to thank God. You're staying in somebody's house, Lahabdil. Why you staying in somebody's house? So you want to thank them. You stay for a week. Now you leave. You want to thank them. So you know, you have several methods. One is that you could be industrious and look around at the house you stayed in and perceive something that's missing within your price range and get it for them. Right? Or, you can say, I haven't got time for that. I'll give them a back scratcher. Which, of course, everybody has some place in the house, which they either got for their wedding, or they got from some very kind guest who came over. And, and a slew of other things in that category that are totally, <coughs> totally worthless. So that, that thanking a person is an effort. Thank, being thankful is an effort. I mean, it's not like something that you, you know, we, we have these phrases that we learn. Uh, oh, thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much. Like, not just plain, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. It was very nice. Uh, um, I'd love to come back again for another two weeks. You know, anytime. It was like thankful, being thankful is not an obvious or simple thing to do. So here you say that Cain and Hevel had something to be thankful for. They had something to be thankful and therefore they brought Korbanot. So I say to you, how did they know that? How did they know that bringing a Korban 
was the proper way of thankfulness. But I ask you again, if you'll say that Noah knew about Korbanot from Cain and Hevel, <coughs> what was it exactly that Cain and Hevel, that Noah was thankful for? I mean, Noah had not yet grown anything. He hadn't done anything. Let's go back to Perikfet, Pasuk Kaf. What does Rashi say? You see Rashi Mikola Bema Torah? He says he took some of the Tahor animals and he sacrificed them. Amar. You see Rashi? Amar. So you see, Noach, that was a yeshiva bocher. Right? He's not, he, he's, he's saying, obviously, God wants me to do this. Otherwise, he would not have instructed me to bring seven of each uh, acceptable animal as opposed to two of the unacceptable animals. It's like, it's like a dray. It's like, it's like, this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. I have to <coughs> bring the korbanot. I have to bring the korbanot because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants me to bring the korbanot. So that it's different. It's different than Kain Behevel. Kain Behevel said, I want to bring the korbanot. That we want to bring the korbanot. Because we're thankful. Noach, according to Rashi, said, I want to bring a korban because I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to bring a korban. So you see, I mean, Stan, we see that, that once you legislate thank-giving, thankfulness, it changes. Once you have to be thankful, you might not actually be thankful at all. And this is a kind of, this is a kind of an issue. Okay, let's go back to the first page. We're talking about korbanot, right? We're talking about korbanot. <coughs> There's a posuk in Tehillim. There's a posuk in Tehillim, Vatitav Lashem, at the top of the page. Vatitav Lashem Mishor Par Makrin Mafris. Right? Vaitav, vatitav, lashem, ishor, por, makrin, mafris. It's hard to know what those words mean. Vatitav, lashem, even better for God, mishor, par. From a, uh, from a, uh, uh, a bull. Makrin, mafris. Those two words are not clear. Makrin, it looks like the word karen. You know, a, a horn. And mafris parsa is a, a cleft hoof. A cleft hoof. <coughs> it's like a pasuk that you, 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 you understand the words in the pasuk, but they don't fit together into anything. Let's see how Rashi helps us out. Mishor par, you see? Mishor Par, the second, uh, the second part of Rashi. Who shor she kriva dama rishon, she nivra bekol matot. 
This is the shore, this shore. What we're, what the Pesach is talking about is the sacrifice that was brought by Adam Arishon. Did you ever hear of a sacrifice brought by Adam Arishon? Certainly not in the Chumash. You may have heard of it. <coughs> but it's not written in the Chumash. That Adam Arishon, Adam Arishon was created as a full man. He wasn't created as a child. Right? He was fully grown. He was bikomato. Uviyom shinikra shor bo bayom heivio. And when he called it a shor, after all, Adam Arishon was given the job of naming all the animals. He brought it. Shashor ben yomo karui shor. A one day old shor is called a shor and then he has a he brings a pasuk. Okay? Makrin mafriz. Karnotav kadmulaparsotav. His horn grew before his hoof was cleft. Sharebikomato uvikranav nivra. Viroshu yatsamina arts tchila kidarkola nyoladim. So he says, Every animal was created by God, came out of the earth, head first, like a baby, I guess, like a birth. The head came out, and then the rest of the animal came out. So God was happy with this sacrifice that Adam Arishon gave. It was an animal that was Makrin Mafris, that the Karen came into the world before the, before the feet. So we still don't know exactly what this is talking about. We don't know, so we're talking about Adam Arishon. We've discovered that Adam Arishon sacrificed a sacrifice. Now look at the Gemara in Avodah You see that Gemara? Yom Shiniv Rabbo Adam Arishon. You see Yom Shiniv Rabbo Adam Arishon? That's the third thing on the page. Yom, the Adam Harishon was created on Friday. Yom Shiniv Rabbo Adam Arishon. Right? The creation started on Sunday. And Adam Arishon was created on Friday. Kevan Chama. Listen, this is a wonderful story. It's really a wonderful story. Shaka Alav Chama means when night came, when night fell, night falls, right? Amar, oily, which is another way of saying oive. He said to himself, I'm really in trouble. Shebishvil shesarachti, since I did the terrible thing that I did, which was to eat from the eight hadat, tovara, Against the explicit instruction slash direction of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, shebishvil shir sarachti. Sarachti means I made a stink because I became stinky. You know, olam chashuch baadi v'yachzir olam letovavo. So when the night fell. And there was no longer any light in the world. Adama Rishon said, this must be an introduction 
to the state that the world existed in before creation. Tohu vavohu. Vizohi mita sheniknesa alai minashamai. And this must be the punishment which was added to the punishment that I was already told about from heaven. He would sit and he wouldn't eat. Was, this was the first time that man had ever experienced nightfall. He didn't know. He was born in the daytime. And even though we know from reading the Chumash that there are days and nights, According to the Gemara, he didn't know that. He thought it was just day. And that he created the night. And by creating the night, that was an indication that the world was going to come to an end. The Chava Bochak in Egdo, and she understood exactly the same thing, and she also cried. The next day came, it was Shabbat morning. And the light returned to the world. Amar, oh min I should not have been afraid of the darkness, because I see that's the way God created the world. And it doesn't mean that the world is going to come to an end. It just means that there are a few hours of darkness, and then comes the light. Amad, v'kriv shor shekarnav. He got up immediately and he sacrificed this shore about whom we know it is said that the horn came before the hooves. We quote the Pasuk we just saw about Titav Lashem Mishor Makrin Mafris. The Omar Rabbi Yehuda Omar Shmuel. There's another opinion that says that the shore that Adam Arishon sacrificed was a unicorn. It had one, one horn. Makrin, Mafris. Makrin, Tardimashma. It's written in the Pasuk without a Yud. So that's not a real plural. It says plural. Plural should be two. No, it's not written as plural. <coughs> okay. So that's the story. So now if I would ask you, why was it that Adam Harishon Sacrificed. I don't know if it was Shabbos morning that he sacrificed. It doesn't sound so good. But why was it that Adam Arishon sacrificed? <coughs> I mean, what was it that he was trying to accomplish? Obviously, obviously, Adam Arishon had this. Uh, uh, he felt that he owed, that he wasn't, it, it wasn't cleared up. He did this hate. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to other versions, look, you're going to work hard and then your wife, she's going to have pain in childbirth and the snake is going to crawl around in the ground. So, so what is it? Is it a quid pro quo? 
is Adamarishon in the clear? Is, is the punishment take care of the transgression? Obviously not. Because according to the story, according to the story, Adamarishon felt that he was still Chayav, that he was guilty. Adamarishon was guilty, and when he saw the sun disappear and night come upon him, he said, Oh, this must be the real punishment. So if Adam Arishan in the morning, when he realized that the real punishment, that the real punishment was not going to come, and he gave a sacrifice, so obviously Adam Arishan thought of the sacrifice in terms of atonement, and not in terms of hodaya of thanksgiving. So we have Adam Arishan, according to Chazal, who gave a sacrifice because he needed atonement. And we have Cain and Hevel, who gave a sacrifice because they felt that they should give thanks to God. Of course, internally, Cain and Hevel had a problem. They didn't both do it properly. But these two ideas exist. <coughs> if you look at the Gemara in Ketubot, the Gemara in the bottom of this page, the Gemara in Ketubot says, He's talking about Karbanot. Right? The word Mizbeach means an altar. But he's referring to Mizbeach, Meziach, Mezin, Mechavev, Mechaper. This is what he had, this kind of aphorism. He said, what is a Mizbeach? A Mizbeach has these various capacities. Meziach, the word Meziach, Laziach, means to move something over. To move something over. Mezin means to, to feed. To feed. Mechavev is to make beloved. And Mechaper is to atone. Now let's look at Rashi and see what each of these words mean. Meziach, Kosal Kadatach, Meziach Avonot. Now what could that possibly mean? So the other Rishonim say, Laziach Gzeirot. In other words, the Mizbeach, even after the judgment has been made, even after the judgment has been made, if you give a sacrifice, it could put off the Gzeirah. There's nothing ultimate. Not, in other words, the Gzeirah is still there. It's like you know, there's a punishment that's, that's willing, that's waiting upon you. But it can be put off. The Korban could push it off. That's Meziach. Mezin, to feed you. Bishuta korbanot alon haolam nizon. Shakorbanot ba'in min hamazon vigormim bracha. So there's a secret here to korbanot. That korbanot come from mazon. All the korbanot come from things that we eat, and by bringing a korban from things that we eat, <coughs> we bring bracha on ourselves as well. Okay, that's mazbezim. Mechavev. Mechavev, beloved, to make beloved. Mechavev et Yisrael 
El Avihem. That's the third thing. And Mechaper is the fourth thing. So we know that Adam Harishon gave a korban because he was seeking kapara. He was seeking kapara. We know, we know that Cain and Hevel brought a korban because they were seeking nezin. They wanted to, they wanted to ensure that the goodness that they had received would continue. And Noah brought a korban probably, probably, because he was looking for the korban to be mechavev. Mechavev. After all, he came from a world, Noah came from a world where everybody was guilty. Tamim hayabidoratav means not like Avram Avinu, like not like a world in which there was a truly righteous person. So Noah, when he got out of the ark, felt that he wanted to bring himself closer to Akkadish Bohu and he gave these korbanot. So we see that the topic called Korban, that the topic called Korban encompasses three areas of human divine interaction. One is called Kapara, atonement. We recognize that atonement is possible if HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives it. It's possible to be atoned. It's not sort of just doing good things when you used to do bad, but somehow the bad is not there anymore. The second thing that we learned about Korbanot <coughs> was that after Adam and his family were kicked out of Gan Eden, they needed, besides the tefillah of Adam Arishon, since there was now a punishment, and the punishment was that they had to work hard in order to bring home the bacon, so to speak, right? They needed a way of beseeching heaven for Mazon. And the way that Cain and Hevel directed us to was Korbanot. Because we give to God that which feeds us. We're willing to sacrifice. We end up with less. We eat less. In the hope that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will replace it for us. Right? <coughs> which is like, we know that staka. The Gemara says, Aser lema'an shetit aser. Tit asher. Give so that you should get. This is like a kind of a, a, an overwhelming principle that was discovered by Adam and Achaian and Hevel. That maybe if we give, we will also get. The difference between Achaian and Hevel was that Hevel was prepared to give the most, the best. And Hevel, I say Hevel was prepared to give the best, and Cain was only willing to give 
the worst. So that Hevel understood the principle very well, which was, if you give the best, you'd expect to get a return. Whereas Cain said, I better play it safe and give the worst. And therefore his sacrifice was not accepted. Noah, Noah was the one who gave a korban in the hope that he and those who got out of the ark would find a, a special kind of love in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch. So the korban, and, and in fact, he did because there was a covenant and the covenant was that there won't be another another mabul that this kind of destruction will not be wrought upon upon the world again okay now three kinds of karbanot which are in fact reflected in this gemaran ktubot daf yud amadbet in the name of rabbi eliezer right mezin mechavev mechaper Adam Arishon looked for atonement. Cain and Hevel looked for uh, sustenance. And Noah looked to be beloved by HaKadosh Baruch because he knew he was the same Noah that was there before, before the flood. <coughs> and this brings, us, this brings us to an interesting uh, uh, question about how it works. And how did they know this? How did Adam and Cain the Hevel and Noah, well, they could say, well, obviously, they were close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so of course they knew it, I mean, but still, what was it that gave them this notion? Now, you know that there's a famous difference of opinion. There's a well-known difference of opinion between the Rambam on the one hand and the Ramban on the other hand about Korbanot in general. According to the Rambam, Korbanot don't seem to be a primary religious experience. The Rambam. The Rambam says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu legislated Korbanot in order to give us a kind of antidote against idolatry. The idolaters did it, and the Torah didn't want us to do it. So he said, okay, you can do it in the Beit HaMikdash, but don't do it anyplace else. You know, something like that. Some kind of a behavioristic uh, thing, which is, you know, people could explain that the reason that, even though we talk about the Korbanot, <coughs> when we daven, we nevertheless may not exactly feel the loss as strongly as we might. That's the position of the, of the Rambam. The Ramban, on the other hand, makes a very compelling argument. If you look at the Ramban, the Ramban is here on, uh, on the second page, at the bottom of the page. On the Pasuk of Vayavekai Vipri Adama Minchal Hashem Hevinu Ha'anashim Ha'elu Sod Gadol Sod for the Ramban means a way of thinking about things. But most people don't think about it this way. It's like we call it Kabbalah. But Kabbalah is really a way of looking at it. A way of looking at the world. A way of thinking about it. And, and he said, Kain Vehevel knew the Kabbalah. Me'akobanot v'hamenachot v'kei Noach. 
The Ramban says, Beferush. <coughs> what he means is, how could anyone think that Korbanot have something to do with Avodazor? After all, at that time, Kaib were the only people there. And then Noah, he was the only person in the world. I mean, there were a few other people. But there was no idolatry. Nobody was going around sacrificing to idols in the time of Kai of Eber. And not yet in the time of, of Noah. So how could the Rambam say, that's what the Rambam is really talking about, the Rambam. How could the Rambam say that this has something to do with idolatry? Well, nothing to do with idolatry. So he says, Rabotenu Amru, Shagam Adam Harishon Hikriv Shorapar. And he says, not only that, our Rabbanim, our leaders, said that Adam Arishon also sacrificed. Now, <coughs> when Adam Arishon sacrificed on Friday afternoon, on Shabbos morning, there was certainly nobody else there. And there was no idolatry. So if Adam Arishon did it, it must have come from a source of truth. Well, the Chachamim must have understood that people who know the truth give sacrifices. Well, they might give sacrifices. That's what, <coughs> that's what it says. V'zei yachsom piyam avhilim v'tam ha-korbanot. It is in that itself should put a stopper on all those who think that the reason for korbanot is different because the only one that he's talking about is the Rambam. And he says it explicitly in the beginning of Ayikra, Parakal of Pasuk Hei. So there is this kind of Ramban position that Karbanot are associated with the truth of things, the truth of my relationship. And it was just like my other Marisha Rashi says, other Marisha's job was to daven. And in that way he created a partnership with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's also true that Adam Arishan and Kain and Hevel and Noah created another kind of partnership with HaKadosh Baruch Hu through Korbanot, by giving these Korbanot. Okay, let's look at it at Sitkat HaTzadik. <coughs> you see it on the first page? ブリッジカタサディクですわそれかかいみルブレンライドそれかかいみルブレンルブレンビカシヒワズインルブレンカインビカシヒワズカイエンサダクビカスダツウリスマダコルドアンダスネームイリシーブアットブリスミラヒス
but not the kind of tefillah we have today. The kind of tefillah which indicated Adam Marisha was a shutaf, was a partner with God in the creation itself. And the other kind of religious act that we learned about is giving korbanot. And we have an example, Adam Marisha for kapara, for atonement, Kain and Hevel for meizin, in order that they should be able to uh, ensure that their crops come in regularly. And Noach lechabev, he felt the need of coming close to HaKadosh Baruch. So listen to the, what the Tzidkat HaTzadik says. There you have it. You know those courses that they give on tefillah in the local synagogue? You could have four lessons on tefillah, ten lessons on tefillah, eighteen lessons on tefillah. We'll go through the arch, go frontwards and backwards and upside down, but you know all those kind of courses? Here is the entire course in this sentence. If you take the sentence, you have the whole course. Tefillah means I want to do it. That's it. That's the definition. Tefillah is not something you do in order to get some sort of result. <coughs> tefillah is, I want to do it. That's what tefillah is. So if you say to me, what is Ratzonik thinking? I would say maybe he's thinking about the fact that Rashi said that Adam Arisha was supposed to daven. So that means for us, thousands of years later, there still is this genetic formulation in us someplace that says, Davin. Not Davin for something, just Davin. That's what he says. Ikar cheshik v'ratzolit palelit chanein. Kemosha amrun, he quotes in Pirkei Avot, al tas tfilatcha keva el Do not, do not Davin by rote, you know, like, just do it, el What is rachamim? Rachamim is either mercy or love. Love. In Aramaic, the word is usually love. But Rachamim can be mercy, and Rachamim can be love. So, so what, what is it you shouldn't do? You shouldn't daven by rote. You shouldn't daven automatically. But what should you do? Rachamim. Rachamim, like, like it's, a, it's a connection that you have to have. You have to have it. There's a Kodesh Baruch or I haven't davened. Sin Shachris, Levi Davin Mincha. But that's how you have to be. Shehu Atzmo Mamaram Shilhei Menachot. He says, this itself is said by Chazal at the end of Menachot, Bekorbanot. And then he says, Shatfilad Dugmatani. After all, he says, what's the difference between Korbanot and Tfilah? Nothing. There's no difference. Shalotomar. He says, you should not say, okay, God wants me to give a korban. I'll give a korban. And then maybe God will do what I want. Right? I want the stock market to go up. So, maybe the stock market will go up. I'll give a korban. The stock market will go go up. (coughs) He says, no. No. Talmud Lomar. It's a posuk in the Chumash. 
What is the positive? When you bring the korban, it should be entirely lirtzonchem. You want to do it. Not that God commanded you to do it. You want to do it. They always look askance at people who bring korbanot in a, in a, uh, a functional manner. They just do what, what they think they're supposed to do. No lirtzon chem. Lirtzon chem tizbachu. And then he says, and now I want to talk about the Rambam. I want to talk about the Rambam Mordevuchim. The Rambam Mordevuchim, remember, said, Korbanot are, <coughs> Korbanot are against idolatry. We know Damashikatab Maram al Shakir, Maram al Shakir lived at the time of the expulsion from Spain, which I think was 1492. I think he was born in 1460. I know that because I looked it up. I wish I knew it because I remembered it. But I actually looked it up. 40, it was in 1460 that he was born. After the expulsion from Spain, he became very well known as a great uh, jurist and wrote important chuvot. And he, in one of his chuvot, he says, he says, "Dechenu b'medrash v'kadav mashal v'yensham binyan akorbanot u'shemekabel hatikrovet ne'nemi menu v'chol avodah zara oto koach." So I will tell you briefly what he said. What he said is, what he said is that, you know, Avodazara, you know, there are all kinds of people in the world. And it's interesting that they all seem to be interested in serving God. But maybe they have a different definition of God. Maybe they have a different definition of service. But they're all interested in serving God in one way or the other. So he says, when is it that Avodazara becomes dangerous? When is it? I, I, I mean, let's say, I mean, I don't know. Uh, you go to India today. Young people like to go to India for some reason. <laughs> you go to India and you see people doing things that are strange. No, not something you did when you were growing up in Yerushalayim. And you say, what are you doing? We say, oh, we're practicing our religion. We're practicing our religion. <coughs> so the Aram al-Shakir says, listen, all of those people are descendants of Adam and Cain and Hevel and Noah. And everybody understands Everybody might understand that in your, in your inclination and in your desire to come close to God, you might do it wrong. That's called Cain and Hevel. It was they had the right idea, both of them, and they each saw each other and what they were doing. One of them did it right, and one of them 
David Rock. Noah realized that he was left over from the previous generation and had to establish a new relationship with HaKadosh Baruch based on something positive. And that was the Korban that was brought by Hevel, the Behemoth, the Mahazana, the food. So the Maram al says that the Rambam didn't mean it. I'm not trying to defend this Pshat in the Rambam. I'm just saying it's interesting. It's an interesting idea. And the Ratzada grabs onto that idea. He says, when the Rambam says that the Korbanot are counterpoint against idolatry, what he means is, what he means is that you can get it wrong. He doesn't mean you shouldn't bring sacrifices. He means you have to be careful not to get it wrong. And what is getting it wrong? Getting it wrong is that somehow HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in need of my service. That's wrong. What's right is that you should, <coughs> you should approach God with a tremendous amount of desire to be there, to stand before God to give the sacrifice, to share the bounty, that's called, that's called Lirzolchem Tizbachu. Idolatry? Idolatry is manipulative. It's not Lirzolchem, but it's, if I do this, then I will get that. That's called idolatry. So when the Rambam said, when the Rambam says, no, you have to stay away from idolatry, that's why the Torah said, bring sacrifices, maybe what the Rabbi really was referring to is that there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And the right way to do it is the right way to do it is to stand before God and say, this is the only thing that I want to do. And since Yatzadik says, look, davening and Karbanat are really the same thing. Because you know the Gemara in Menachot, that same Gemara that he quotes, which, uh, which, which he doesn't quote in the, in, the, uh, in the passage we read, but that very same Gemara says, you want to give a Korban Olah, learn the parsha of Korban Olah. What does that mean? <coughs> I mean, what are we, fool, we fooling ourselves? We're fooling ourselves. I mean, if you, if you want to give a Korban Olah, you can't. You can't go to the Beit HaVikdash. There's no Avodah. There's no Kohanim. There's no way to give a Korban Ola. So I learned the parish of Korban Ola. So, okay, I learned the parish of Korban Ola. It's like preparatory. If the Mashiach comes and there's a Beit HaVikdash, so I will be able to help out. Give me the Korban Ola. What does the Gemara mean? Where it says, you want to you wanna learn the Korban Ola? You want to you wanna give a Korban Ola? Learn the parish of Korban Ola? But the answer is that the Liritzom is the same. The, the fact that you're doing it because you want to do it. You want to bring yourself closer to HaKadosh Baruch You want to stand before God. <coughs> that Liritzon Chem is exactly the same. Whether you bring a live Korban or you learn the parasha 
or you learn the parsha in the uh, in the Chumash. So we see we see that there are two models which are actually one model, as the Tzikas Atzadik explained. There's the model of Tefillah, which we learned about last week, and there's the model of Korbanot. And we know from the Gemara and Ketuvot that Korbanot come for three reasons. Kapara, that was other Marisha. Hazana, Mezin, that was Kain and Hebron. And Chiba, that was, uh, that was Noach. Those were the three kinds of korbanot that were given in these two uh, parashiyot. Rav Tzadok adds that in some level, on some level, there's no difference between the tefillah and the korban. Because in both cases, they only apply to the person who is doing it lirtzonchem. The person wants to stand before HaKadosh Baruch But as difficult as that may sound <coughs> to us, that seems to be uh, the, the ultimate Jewish religious experience. Just as we know, as just as we know that Avram Avinu was distinguished from Noah because Avram Avinu walked with God. Right, there was the, this idea that you could walk with God. That was Avram Avinu. But for us, at least the lyrics song, Chem Tizbachu, the least we can do, the least we can do is want to do the mitzvah, is want to daven, is want to give the korban, is want to be, put myself in the place of standing before, <coughs> standing before Akkadish Bogu. So that, Again, uh, this seems to be a fundamental need that we have. I mean, it's it's so pervasive. I mean, again, I'm not a sociologist, so I'm not going to uh, be able to decide uh, when something that is pervasive is part of human nature and when it's just something that we fool ourselves into. But it would seem that standing before God for a lot of people is is an important part of their psyche. Like it's the way they are. If they didn't have that, if they didn't have that, they, they, they would be at a loss. They would be adrift. They, they wouldn't have any way of hanging themselves, hanging themselves together. So that, <coughs> that the essential mitzvah, mitzvot, may have reasons and they may produce results. And they may be good for the human being, but the overriding, uh, uh, the overriding uh, uh, nature of the mitzvah is that you want to do it. That's what that's what uh, uh, produces <coughs> that what produces the religious response. I want to do the mitzvah. tizbachu, and the avodah is the manipulative kind of mitzvah. You do it because you want something, you want something from God. So that even though when we do it, we also want something. I mean, everybody wants something. Nevertheless, the question is always what your primary interest is at the moment. I mean, you're interested now, you're putting God to the test, or do you want to be with, with a Kodesh Bo? So, Cain and Hevel disagreed on this point, right? Hevel did it right, and Cain did it wrong. And uh, uh, 
uh, Noah saw the Korban as starting a, a kind of a new world. The new world was starting. And in that new world, in that new world, there would be Chiba. And Chiba is another way of saying, um, we'll push the Gzeira off. It was, if there was Chiba, there would never have been a Mabu. There would never have been a flood. But there was not enough Chiba for the created, for the created world. Okay. Have a good chance.